On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the, the, in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Great. Thanks, Duncan. Keep um, your Bibles open there, or if you do actually want... uh, um a Luke's Gospel to follow along with. Uh, there are actually a heap available on the back table, so just feel free to get up and grab yourself a copy and if you'd like to follow along um, as well. But let me just pray as we uh, look at this beautiful part of Scripture. Merciful Heavenly Father, thank you so much that um, you've given us the Bible and you've given us Luke's Gospel, um, uh, a record, uh, an account of all uh, the things that Jesus has fulfilled among us Uh, to give us certainty, assurance uh, of Jesus and of your love and that uh, 
for those who are with Jesus, it means the future is taken care of. So thank you that we can have that assurance at this time of the year as we turned into 2021. And please lead us into the truth of your word and that certainty this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever um, been in a situation where you're just waiting and waiting desperately um, um, for something? Uh, a few years back, five years ago, uh, Gita and I had the pleasure of living um, with a fiancé, a bride-to-be, Aisha. And as the day drew closer, boy, uh, the waiting and the waiting. And um, it was just all about that day. Um, and it finally did come. Uh, the joy, it was just fantastic. It was amazing. But have you ever been in that situation where you've been in a hopeless situation and you've needed to be saved out of it? Saved out of a hopeless situation. When Todd Endress was struck three times by a shark... The situation seemed hopeless until so a group of bottle-nosed dolphins, they came to his rescue. They formed a protective circle around him uh, and he was able to get to shore and receive medical attention. They saved his life. Uh, when Yan Yun, a deep-sea diver, uh, tried to resurface after a deep-dive competition to see who could hold their breath the longest, the water was so cold she was paralysed. But she was saved when a beluga whale came, gently took hold of her leg and brought her to the surface. Uh, you can actually watch the video. It's actually online. But here's my favourite. Here is my favourite. Because I grew up on a farm. It's how Lulu, the pot-bellied pig, saved her human's life after her human owner had had a heart attack and fallen down. Lulu wandered out into the middle of the highway, lay down and played dead. A motorist stopped, came and found her owner. Her owner was saved. Um, there you go. That, yeah, saved by a pig. Okay. Who would have thought? People saved out of hopeless situations by animals. Christmas is all about remembering why Jesus came into the world. It's the unthinkable, isn't it? When God himself turned up to save us out of an utterly hopeless situation that only God could save us from. And if you look with me, that first verse we often skip over, verse 21, where we read that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Now, some names mean things, some, some names less so, but Jesus, like Joshua in the Old Testament, means saviour. And this is why the eternal Son of God, the Word, took on our human nature. This is why heaven gave him the name Jesus before he was even conceived, because his name literally is his mission. Christianity, it's a rescue religion. Because human beings, we need rescuing. Jesus' arrival is the arrival, the advent of salvation's hope, long promised, always promised, in eternity, by a loving Heavenly Father. Now, I don't know how you go waiting for things, I don't know, perhaps if you're already waiting for certain things, hoping for certain things in 2021. I mean, COVID's been like a fire extinguisher on many of our hopes and plans for this year. Um, I mean, we've had no other option but to wait and to do what we've been told. Uh, waiting for the lockdowns to end. Uh, waiting to get back to the gym or back to work or waiting for borders to open when we can see relatives again. It's a year where we've been reminded that there are sorts of waiting that can be terribly hard 
and lonely as well. And sometimes we wait and you've actually just got nothing to show for it at the end. The worst sort of waiting, of course, is when you are waiting and you really know there is no hope. You're waiting in vain. And I think scripture describes that in part, this is actually what hell is like. To be in hell is to be waiting and waiting in vain. Absolutely no hope. And so Luke writes to give us a certainty that to put our hope in Jesus, we are not waiting in vain. To live our life labouring for Jesus is to never be labouring in vain. Luke's record of that first Christmas, it's like God walking through Earth's airport arrival lounge, if you like. I mean, many had no idea that God was going to be coming. Many had forgotten. He'd promised he, he was coming. They'd gotten so caught up in life, so distracted by the things of life. But there were a few faithful who had been waiting with hope for this moment to come. Look with me, verses 22 to 24. Mary and Joseph, as we, we, we heard, that they went to the temple there in Jerusalem. It's probably about five to six weeks after Jesus had been born. They're, they're going because they're following the usual protocol of their people, according to the law of Moses. And in fact, just in these um, three verses... Luke tells us five times, five times, that they do everything according to the law of the Lord. Because Jesus is born as an obedient son of God, an obedient son of Israel, a sinless son. And so Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day as a sign that he really is the true descendant of Abraham. This child, he's a true Israelite. He truly belongs to the Lord. But of course, what grabs our attention is not so much what Mary and Joseph do, but it's who has been hanging out in the temple for years, waiting and waiting and waiting for this baby, for their baby. And I think Simeon and Anna beautifully embody for us how God's people can and are able and must wait on God's word with real hope. How to wait on God's word with real hope. They're a timeless encouragement for us of... How to wait. Wait for our Saviour's return. And so we, we begin with Simeon. And there is a bit of an outline in the leaflet if you like to follow along and take notes. Simeon, someone who is waiting with hope. Look with me, verses 25 to 26. We read, There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, we don't know much about Simeon, but we are told he's in the right with God and that he's been waiting for God to deliver on his promise to send his saviour king. The spirit of the living God was on him. Uh, the same Holy Spirit who overshadowed a young virgin with child. The same Holy Spirit who had prepared a body for the Son of God. The same Holy Spirit who also had prepared a people to wait to wait for Jesus' arrival. And I think here, the mention of the Holy Spirit twice in relation to Simeon, it's just a beautiful picture and reminder that all of God, Father, Son and Spirit, they really are all in to save all of humanity. All of God, all in to save all of humanity. 
And the mention of the Holy Spirit, again, three times it mentions that Simeon, he's about to say what he's about to say because this is actually God speaking. This is heaven speaking. This is the Holy Spirit moving Simeon to prophecy, to speak of the meaning of this baby's arrival. And that brings us to the fourth hymn, the fourth song in Luke's infancy narrative. It's known as the, bit of Latin here, Nunc Dimittis, Nunc Dimittis, which is just the first two words in Latin of, of, of uh, Simeon's song, which means now dismiss, now dismiss. Simeon can now depart in peace because having been waiting and waiting, he's finally seen God's salvation just as God had promised he would see God's salvation. But what exactly has he been waiting to see? Well, the first is he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel, for the consolation of God's Old Testament people. Now, if I say to you, look, um, I've got a consolation prize for you, <laughs> um, what am I saying? That's not a rhetorical question, by the way. You've lost. Yeah. Like, you certainly haven't won. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sorry we've had nothing for you yet, Emily, but there's something coming, okay? So, uh, but yeah, it's that idea of you, you've lost, isn't it? Uh, of losing. See, consolation, it comes from actually the word to console, which means to comfort. Consolation, it's about being comforted in a time of hardship or suffering. And Simeon and Anna, uh, they're part of a people. They have been waiting and waiting for God to fulfil his word of comfort or consolation for many hundreds of years. In fact, 800 years earlier from Isaiah 40, this is what God had promised his people. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Because here is God reminding Israel hundreds of years earlier um, and certainly Israel in Jesus' day, is that Israel's real em enemy was never the Gentile Romans who had come in and uh, were holding them captive, they were in power, and that uh, is, is, uh, life was horrible under, under Roman rule. No, no, according to God, his people's real enemy was always the power of sin, and sins deserved wage, death, and God's judgment. Which is why God says, proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Simeon knew that with the arrival of God's Messiah, God was arriving to pay in full, to pay double for all her sins. Which, it's, it's a beautiful picture of, of perfect payment. Uh, of God perfectly paying double, literally exactly what is needed and more for all of Israel's sin and indeed the sin of the whole world. It's a picture of a perfect payment, that there'll be no sin that we left unpaid by God's Saviour King. So this comfort, comfort, it's the promise of God himself turning up to pay the debt of all sin, to declare a pardon for any people who would come to Jesus, God's Saviour King. But Simeon's good news prophecy, it actually climaxes there in verses 29 to 32. Have a look with me. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. My eyes have seen your salvation for all nations. And here again, via Simeon's Holy Spirit-inspired speaking, heaven is declaring that with this Jesus, this baby's arrival, so 800-year-old messianic servant prophecies from Isaiah, they're about to be fulfilled. And I've just got three here. Three here. Because just remember, the way Luke is writing to give us certainty is to show how Jesus fulfills all of these Old Testament scriptures and promises for us. And so I thought as we arrived at the end of this year, thought about where can I find hope and certainty for a new year? It's just to take a leaf out of Luke's method, if you like, which is just to show you how Jesus fulfills just three of hundreds of Old Testament scriptures. So from Isaiah 42 verse 6, God promised that I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Again, talking about the servant who would come. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. But here's the most beautiful prophecy I think this part of scripture fulfills. It's from just before Isaiah 53, the suffering servant song. From Isaiah 52, 8 to 10, we read, Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. They will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. Who are the faithful watchmen and watchwomen in Zion in the temple waiting for the arrival of God's Messiah? (laughs) It's not the religious leaders, not the educated, it's not... No, no. It's this gentle old man Simeon and an elderly widow called Anna who see and they burst into songs of joy, of prophecy. See, God God hasn't prepared his salvation for humanity in private. He's done it in, in the public marketplace of history over thousands of years. He's done it in the sight of all nations and it's all recorded here for us in the scriptures. There's no person outside of our front door that God has not prepared his salvation for. Which means there's no one we should ever write off. Who, There's no one whose God is not inviting to come and taste and see for themselves the goodness of this saviour, the hope. And remember Luke writes to give his readers certainty. Certainty that this Jesus he's introducing us to is credible, reliable history. That this Jesus is the fulfilment of all of God's promises. Certainty that this Jesus, he is the content of God's good news for all people. It's not a list of rules, not a new philosophy, it's a person. The certainty that that Jesus, this Jesus, it's the best good news gospel message going around that we can be sharing with people 
as we head into 2021. And this is why Simeon can now depart in peace because he really, really has seen God's salvation. He's held this baby in his own arms. Wow. Might have mentioned a few months ago that when I was working as a doctor in the Repad Hospital, I, I met Bob. Bob came in. Um, he had also been a widower for many years, lost his life, and he was a returned war vet. And uh, he'd discovered a new lease of life because he'd met Betsy, his new partner, and they loved to go dancing, ballroom dancing. But he came in and he said, oh, hey, look, doc, doc, just quietly, don't, don't say this to Betsy, but she's always stepping on my toes, you know. So he had this bruised big toenail, you know, and so he came in to take the toenail off because um, uh, he was in so much pain. He's in there, pretty standard, he's you know, in and out for a day. They took the toenail off. And underneath his toenail was one of the rarest forms of melanoma. A melanoma under his toenail. That's what was giving him the problem. And we did the scan and it had already spread everywhere in his body. And to watch this, this man, he was full of life and zest. You know, new love. He just shriveled up and... And he just, it was in his bed, he was just so fearful. In the grip of fear, the fear of dying. And one lunchtime, I, I, I sat down with him, took off my coat and, and just had a chat to him and said, look, you, you seem the shell of the person you were when you came in. And, and he just he confessed how scared he of dying he was. And, and so we, we talked of Jesus. We, we talked of uh, the hope that Jesus brings and, and, and I prayed with him. And it certainly calmed him. My hope and prayer is that on that day, Bob is there. That brings us to Jesus and the the cost that he paid so we could have this real hope, this real resurrection hope. As we noted Christmas Day, this Saviour King, he was born under the shadow of a cross. It's the shadow of the cross that fell across his crib. And what does Simeon go on to say? Uh, Verse 34, that this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. See, this child, he's going to grow up and he's going to bring some people down. He's going to seriously humble them. But of course, it's in the humbling. (laughs) It's when God puts his finger on our sin and our pride and humbles us (laughs) that actually he can then lift us up and save us from hell to heaven. Because this saviour king, he too was humbled and lifted up to resurrection life. You see, the way of Jesus' cross is not just the way of God saving us, but it's the the way we are to walk as we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow after this servant suffering king. Trusting that as we humble ourselves in his service, he can, his grace, he will lift us up to resurrection life with him when we die. You see, the way to life with God up there is down here as we humble ourselves and allow ourselves, beg our God and Saviour to please humble us, trusting he will lift us up. And how does he do that? Verse 35, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You see, Jesus' truth-speaking ministry but to be confronted by Jesus, like the, uh, um, the woman in John 4 at the well, as she, as she met Jesus at the well, in all her pain and sin and pride, 
is you're confronted with the truth of Jesus. It's a beautiful story of how the truth and grace of Jesus convicts her of her sin and brings her, saves her into the true identity of Jesus. And she leaves her pot. She runs off with all joy to bring a whole town back. You've got to meet this guy. He's the Messiah of the world. That's how Jesus saves. It's through his truth speaking as he pulls the curtain back on sin's deception and sin's cover-up and our own self-deceptions in our lives. As Luke records, read Luke's Gospel if you haven't in a while. You can see as people bump into Jesus, even his own disciples, how Jesus lovingly exposes the fears, the guilt, the corruption, the pretenses, the hypocrisy and the shame of, of sin. All for one purpose, it's his humbling, rescuing work. It's how he brings us down so he can lift us up. The reason Jesus exposes the deepest thoughts of our hearts is not because he wants us to you know, wallow in guilt, because he longs to give us new hearts, new hearts that might be after God's own heart. And so as we watch this scene in the middle of a... Just imagine, you know, the Adelaide Central Market, you're watching this, this scene. It's, it's sort of quite ordinary, really. It's just a young couple with a baby and an old bloke there. Uh, Simeon now gently, he looks into the eyes of this hopeful young mother, Mary. And then he also says, with a, a shadow of sadness that comes across his face, a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. And of course, as Luke goes on to record, this son who she so loves, he's going to be growing up, going to grow up and be rejected from day one, hated by all. He'll be tried and convicted on lies. This mother is going to watch her own son bloodied and beaten and have to bear his own cross so shamefully through the streets of Jerusalem. She'll watch this son of hers stripped naked and impaled on this cross. And she'll watch her son die the most gruesome, agonising, horrible death. Mary, this sword of your son's suffering to save people from sin, it will pierce your own soul as well. And of course it must, if Mary is also to be saved. And let record she is there in the upper room with Jesus' followers. The shadow of Jesus' cross falls upon him and also across those who love him. And for those of us here who know and love the Lord Jesus as our Saviour, as we turn for 2021 for a new year, we should not be surprised as we work hard to put others before yourself that it's going to come at great cost and at times hurt. At times when, when we obeying God's word for your life is going to have to give up on a dream or a relationship, when letting go of past hurts and anger is really hard work, when forgiving someone who has hurt you so badly, so badly, it just comes at, at, at the cost, a cost of a cross. Because surely this is what it means for us to be on that narrow road of this cross, the narrow road of humility trusting that the Lord will lift us up on that last day. And so we finish, we finish with Anna. Not a watchman, but a watchwoman who's waiting faithfully for God's Saviour. Look with me, verses 36 and 37. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. 
She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Married for seven years, widowed until she's 84. For the mathematicians in the room, that's... Oh, what? He's asking me to use my brain two days after Christmas? <laughs> well, it's over 60 years, isn't it? So uh, some of you got the calculator out, Michael. <laughs> but it's some serious waiting, isn't it? Waiting and lonely waiting. But this lovely believing widow, she spent her days waiting in God's temple, every day praying and fasting. Fasting is just something you to do to help you focus on God's word and his promises and to pray, but waiting, waiting, waiting. Praying, praying, praying for God to send his Messiah. I think if Simeon gets the best supporting actor in the Christmas story, Anna gets the best supporting actress award. It's this beautiful picture of how to wait with hope and God's promises, I think. Just a beautiful picture of how real hope can infuse our sadness, infuse our grief, our loss, infuse our loneliness and lift us up. Did you pick up that Anna is not waiting alone? Verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. See, there were others in the temple waiting like Simeon and Anna, others who were looking forward to God's promised future. To be really, really waiting for something when everyone else is just getting on with life around you can be really hard, especially when your life circumstances are hard. But these men and women, they're waiting together, strengthening and spurring one another on, reminding each other of God's good promises and of the good God who always keeps his promises. And so through all the seasons of life, through all the pandemics, they waited with hope, praying together. And so as we live each day, loving God, loving people, studying, working, playing, socialising, eating and drinking, enjoying life, I mean, what sort of people should we be? as God's new covenant people? What sort of a church has Jesus Christ saved us to be? What sort of a church should Trinity Mount Barker be aiming to be in 2021? Well, as Paul writes to a faithful little church in Thessalonica, we are to be a people who are watching and waiting with hope. Paul writes this at the end of Chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Having come once, so we are to wait for God's king to come again. We wait for our sin-bearing saviour king to return to rescue us. When all are groaning, every tear all the sadness, it will end. I think Simeon and Anna, they teach us how to wait with hope. And so as we turn over into a new year with all its uncertainties, we can be certain about one thing. God has never broken a word of promise yet. And God never will. Because God is faithful. Of course, it's a beautiful picture here with Anna of biblical hope is waiting together. And so may Trinity Church Mount Barker be a people who are faithful in waiting together, in coming together, strengthening one another in God's promises, chasing after the straying who have strayed in sin, 
as you humbly sit together looking again at God's promises. Chasing after those who are, who are wavering in their faith, looking out for one another, reminding them of the Simeon and the Annas here in Scripture, praying for them, praying with them as you all pray for one another. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for this beautiful part of Scripture that shows us what a beautiful Saviour you are. That shows us of the certainty we can have as we look to Jesus, the accomplishment, the fulfilment of all your promises. That introduces us to a watch man and a watch woman who waited faithfully on your promises and saw their fulfilment who departed in peace. Father, as we come to appreciate more and more Simeon and Anna and their waiting and your fulfilment for them, may that give us the confidence and the courage to live radical lives of service and love and grace and forgiveness in a world that is without hope, whose only hope is Jesus. Please help us to be this people who are continually coming together, chasing after one another, coming together to watch and to wait with this real hope, who is Jesus. Amen.